Hello again, R-Sport community. Kit Harvey with you for another instalment of R-Conversations. This time, we sit down with Melbourne musician Dom Hone, a.k.a. Sid Varnum. On the back of his latest release, Good Times, we dissect Dom's approach to making music, blending genres, and spinning hot wax on weekends. We've also got a taster of two Sid Varnum tracks lined up. Enjoy. We are back in the Art Conversations studio, and I'm joined by somebody I'm absolutely pumped to talk to, because we are friends, but this is sort of an element of our friendship that we don't talk about that much, mostly due to my musical shortcomings. Dominic Hone, it is fantastic to have you in the studio. Thanks for having me, guys. Are you going all right? Yeah, going well. Feeling good about the pod? Feeling good. Yeah, good to be here. Mate, it's thanks great for, to have you here as well. Me. You're known by a lot of names, so you're kind of a hard man to introduce in many ways. I call you Hono, Domo, Domi, uh, particularly when we're on the pitch. You're a, a midfielder as well as a uh, podcast guest. You're a midfielder with R-Sport FC, slotted in seamlessly there. I'm sure you'll do just as fine in the podcast studio. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Thursday night, big game. Uh, I'm reliably informed you can play this week. I'm Fingers crossed. I'm going to put you on the spot now. What do you reckon? Good yeah, chance? I'm keen to get out there with... It's our first game... Would be our first game together, right? On the outdoor seven aside. It would be. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Making that shift from uh, futsal to outdoor together will be fun. Dom, you're a man of many names. Sid Varnum is your current moniker, the current operating name, the current operating model. Take me through what Sid Varnum is actually about uh, and how it sort of came to be. Um, oh, I wish I had a more interesting story but it's literally was the result of a random name generator and i just sort of sat there and i'm pretty i'm pretty indecisive when i'm like choosing a name i've had a few different names um but i kind of wanted something that would when you searched it nothing else would come up so there's no chance of you know getting it confused with someone else. So I don't believe there's anyone else with that name in existence doing anything, as far as I know. In terms of musical projects or in terms of anyone else on earth? Just anyone else because, yeah. And I think I just liked the, uh, it's as simple as I liked the the way the name looks aesthetically, how it sounds and... Yeah, that's all there is to it. I wish I had a better story, but... Um, when you say random name generator, are we talking like borderline meme level content from the internet? Like, is this something you just sort of hit go on a wheel and it kind of yeah, just it's picked li- it? it's literally just like this site with a button and you can like, you can like put the parameters. So, you know, what type of, if you want a first name and a last name and it'll it just like spit something out. And obviously, as you can imagine, you get a lot of trash that's unusable. So I was hitting that button pretty hard. So Um, presumably you had a couple of songs you were wanting to release. You kind of needed a name and you were willing to basically bet the house and the musical future on a a random name generator. I kind of love that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Maybe I I need to make up a, a better story with some background, but how many, how many goes at it did you have? Oh, until was, you found Sid 
it was a it was an afternoon of smashing the button let's put it that way <laughs> any any notable <laughs> recommendations from the from the bot uh i can't even remember but the, yeah there were some weird ones there were some definite weird ones were but, there any like john smith daniel scrimshaw just like randomly nah, not even it's sort of all, they're all quite weird because it's pretty much any name first name and any last name that's ever been in existence so you get some interesting combos. <laughs> I think maybe it is a good idea. If there are any Sid Varnums listening along yeah. at home, please get in touch because you have become massive spanners in the works. <laughs> yeah. The whole operation, yeah, would be thrown into jeopardy if I found out there was another Sid Varnum. But yeah, Sid, there's Sid Vicious, Sid V, which I kind of realized when I was searching like on Spotify, he's if you do Sid V, it'll come up with Sid Vicious, who was a member of Sex Pistols, I believe. Anyway, he's I'm pretty sure he's he's passed, so that's all good. I think musically <laughs> it'd be fair to say that you are very different to the Sex Pistols and, and Sid Vicious. Yeah, probably not as aggressive. Can you take me through how you came about your current sound and what you're kind of trying to achieve with the Sid Varnum music? Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's just a result of years of kind of fine tuning, learning new stuff, new techniques and, um, trying to incorporate that. And yeah, I think going forward, I've had a bit of a shift where I'm focusing more on the lyrics side of making music because I'm from a writing background. Um, and that's what I studied. But when I was making music before, I kind of kept them separate. Like I was trying to write lyrics. Um, like I was trying to kind of imitate lyrics that I'd heard in different songs, but that weren't really genuine, if that makes sense. Like I was trying to write lyrics that sounded like lyrics. And that just doesn't really work. Like it just ends up sounding kind of awkward and you know, abstract, but not, I don't know. It just, it, it's not a really good method. So I've kind of realized that you can write a song about absolutely anything in life, even like small mundane things, and you can make them into interesting stories. Um, you know, looking at someone like in the past few years, Courtney Barnett, she's kind of popularized that, you know, she'll take like a, a really seemingly mundane or uninteresting tidbit from her life and sort of extract some meaning from it. So I'm trying to do that a bit more. Um, and yeah. And, and, and also I think writing from another perspective can be really useful, like not always being like, you know, I'm writing a song about my life or something that's happened to me, like writing, pretending I'm another character almost and then writing from their perspective. And then you can get to be a bit more ridiculous or funny or yeah, it's not so serious, I guess. One of your recent releases is a track called Good Times. Now, thank you very much. You're lucky enough or we're lucky enough to uh, be able to listen to about 30 seconds of that as a snippet in this podcast. So firstly, thanks so much, Dom. Can you take us through a little bit of the the story behind Good Times specifically and what listeners can kind of expect from it. Yeah, so that's the latest 
track that I put out, which was kind of like an old beat that I had stopped working on for a while and then sort of got back onto it. And um, I feel like it was almost finished. And then I felt like it was missing something, um, but I didn't know what. And then I was kind of like this track could really use a bit of sexy saxophone just came to me but I can't play saxophone and I don't really know anyone that can play saxophone so um I actually again used the power of the internet I went on this website called Fiverr which um is basically where it's kind of like Airtasker but for like skilled things and you can pay someone to you know do anything but in this case play an instrument so I connected with this guy from I think Nigeria and I just sent him the track and I was like I just want the you know saxophone in this part and he sent me back like three different versions I was like this is sick um picked one and yeah so put it in the track and then um it was pretty much pretty much done so yeah it's funny how it all came together it's funny you should mention the saxophone as well because we were listening to Good Times just while we were writing and putting together the the plan for this podcast and I went to the kitchen to fill up my water glass and it sort of started off in the saxophone section of the song and all I heard was Anthony go, whoa, that's sexy. <laughs> so it's funny you should use the word sexy. Cause yeah. Yeah. It absolutely had that desired effect and it's a particularly uh, special part of the track. For yeah, me. yeah. Yeah, and I think um, it's the first song I made a video for that I've ever made a, a video for and I think I tried to keep that same, almost like ironically, you know, cheesy 80s slow-mo uh, kind of vibe, I guess. Um because I got this camcorder like a couple of months ago and the, it's basically just footage of me and Vanessa, my girlfriend, at the beach, uh, just doing different things. Um, but yeah, with some, Vanessa showed me how to use some like methods slowing down and like transitions that look quite like very 80s. And um, yeah, we, we got it to a point where we're happy with it and then, yeah, so it was. I was like thinking, um, I might have to pay someone thousands of dollars to make a video, but I mean that maybe that'll come. But at this point, it was pretty yeah DIY. inspiration from any film clips you might have liked in the past or any eras for the for the film clip um yeah definitely um i think as i said that that sort of 80s aesthetic where um 
yeah, it's kind of like the footage is quite grainy. Mm. Um, yeah, the way it transitions from shot to shot, it might use... I'm not sure what the actual name is for it, but it's... Is it's, it a wipe? Yeah, kind of like a wipe. Yeah. Um, which I think at the time they were like not using it ironically. They were like, this is actually cool. This is cutting edge. <laughs> yeah, but now it's like... Yeah, it's kind of a bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of... Um, I can't think of any specific videos, but um, just generally that era, mm. I think. Would it be too simple and potentially offensive to say that the song is just about good times? Is that what it's actually about? Um, I think the song... It's, it's about good times. I think it's more about like appreciating when you're having a good time because things I, I, I was reading this article by um helen garner recently who's a famous australian author writer and she's talks about how she, i mean she's 80 something now and it's this article for the guardian where she talks about happiness and how she's realized at this point in her life that happiness is not a destination or it's not a, a, a point you reach. It's kind of fleeting and it comes to you in bursts and it's, um, it's elusive and it's dynamic. And I think the song is kind of about that. Um, cause the lyrics are, you know, trying to appreciate the good times. Um, I'm sort of blanking on what the rest of the chorus is, but yeah, it's, it's kind of talking about that, how it, how it's when you're experiencing that good time or happiness, you, all you can do is make the most of it because it's going to change and then change back. And yeah, so it's a bit deeper than just let's go to the beach, play sax and have a good time. Which does admittedly sound amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of happy, but also it's like a bittersweet. It's like the good old days are now. You know, you look back and you're like, oh, I miss the good old days. But yeah. the good old days are actually like right now at right. some stage. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's like that John Lennon quote. Life's what happens when, you make, when you're busy making other plans. You know, it's this idea of you... I think we, we can all fall into the trap of thinking like, you know, then I'll be happy when I get to that point. Um, and right now I've just got to like, wait until i get there but it's life is happening at all times all around you and that that's what it's about not about like some future event which can you think will change how you feel or um so yeah it's kind of a it's not a like groundbreaking concept but i think it's something that people forget a lot in this fast-paced modern world yeah (laughs) no i'm fully on board with that yeah and it's definitely something that's easy to forget, particularly when you, you know, I can be distracted by something as simple as like one text message. It's like, yeah. oh, all that planning I was doing and all that sort of box checking. And it's like, oh, it's everything's about this one text message. And then there's another one and a comment on my Instagram post. And a, no, I think yep. there's definitely something in meditating on that. For sure. Now, I want to talk about uh, timelines in a similarly uh, well, I want to go back in time, basically. I want to load up the DeLorean, get Doc Brown and 
grab Marty and go back to the past or back to the future at some stage. But take me back to where the musical journey began for you. Did you learn an instrument in primary school or were you kind of forced into music lessons and begrudgingly went along? How did it all kind of come about? Uh, it all started in high school. I think I was in year 10 and I started learning guitar. So I was about 15, 16. Um, and I don't know, I was kind of playing, learning chords and covers of songs on my guitar, trying to sing at the same time. and um, You know, pretty revolutionary stuff. Um, <laughs> Wonderwall and whatnot. <laughs> I got heaps of calls from like Paul McCartney and, um, you know, like big time producers. It's like, have you heard about this kid? He's doing like covers, like acoustic covers. He's doing acoustic um, covers down at the local. Yeah, you got to check this guy out. Yeah, he, he plays Wonderwall and sings over the top. Um, so that was hectic. But it was it was a slow process and just like fiddling around. Um, I started doing, when I got a bit older, maybe 18, 19, I was doing gigs at like pubs, um, like, you know, just acoustic covers. Play the horses. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of, lot of that. Um, Any wedding gigs? No, nah, no, no weddings. <laughs> no wedding um, singer? Yeah, no wedding singer. It was like, where was I playing? Places on Chapel Street and the Station Hotel on Greville Street back in the day. Um, but yeah, around the same time, I my sister's boyfriend at the time, he was a DJ and he was showing, he taught me how to DJ on the old CDJ 100s. And I thought that was quite cool. Like I was, you know, he was showing me Armin van Helden and all this sort of old Ministry of Sound stuff. This would have been, yeah, 2007 or eight, I reckon. And he also kind of showed me the basics of how to produce electronic music. Like he wasn't a, a really knowledgeable producer himself, but he kind of knew a few things and he he showed me like, you know, this is how you make a kick and you put it like on each beat for... Four four, um, and that was very exciting to me because it was so different to what to the world of what I was doing with acoustic guitar and singing. Um, and so that kind of lit lit the spark a bit, and I got quite fascinated with the concept of like making music on your laptop and layering sounds and having different textures. Uh, that was more interesting to me than just strumming a guitar and and yeah because I feel like there was a lot of people doing that at the time and unless you have a really good voice or you're really good at guitar it's kind of hard to stand out and differentiate yourself so I was like I think I'm more interested in this and I want to focus on this and then it just kind of grew I tried to learn as much as I could um, tried to yeah, incorporate little techniques that I'd picked up um, and a lot of trial and error. Um, and yeah, and I think now it's at a point where I've kind of reincorporated the acoustic real instrument sound into the electronic and it's kind of like a amalgamation of both, which is which I think I'm happy with. 
Yeah. Would it be fair to say there were a few years there where you were essentially on a musical hiatus, like music kind of disappeared from your life a little bit? Yeah, I think so. That's um, just going by little tidbits that you've told me over time. I just Would you be able to elaborate on that a little bit and maybe why music came back into your life? Yeah, I think, um, like, I'm not, I'm not quite sure exactly why that happened, but I think it was just the, I don't know, the mindset I was in, I just didn't feel like creating in that way. Um, I think music, music's quite a, um, it's, it's a activity where you really need to be feeling it and creatively inspired to produce things and for whatever reason i just like wasn't um in that headspace um so and i tried to kind of force it because i was like you know i want to be making music again but it just wasn't happening um i think a lot of people that are in creative things could probably relate to that um yeah it's it's a kind of a hard one to work out but i just knew that i wasn't feeling it and i just needed to like take a break have some breathing space come back to it when i was ready um yeah i was doing a few different things like i went to live in japan for a little bit i was teaching english over there and wasn't really thinking about music making music at all um that probably helped me a lot though because that was kind of gave me a new perspective and I came back feeling a bit more fresh, feeling a bit more motivated and that I wanted to make music again. Was that kind of an overnight thing or did it did it kind of take you a little while to realize, oh, maybe there's, was there something missing and you kind of wanted to create again or was it kind of a little bit less abrupt? Um, I think it was gradual, yeah. I think it was just, you know, this was, I was probably mid, 20s and i don't know it was probably a bit of working out who i was and what i wanted to actually do if i wanted to really do music or if it was just a phase or um you know that's it, it i think it's a bit of a transitional period for people around that mid 20s even late 20s um so yeah, I think um, I think I just yeah I just needed a bit of a break because I probably got in my own head a little bit um, and I kind of knew that people saw me as someone who was good at making music, so I maybe was overthinking it a bit, and there was that fear of failure, like when when you're perceived as being good at something if you're not producing something that's really good, um, you know, like what are people going to think? It's kind of this identity crisis um, that you can have. So I think I just got in my own head a little bit and needed to relax and not think too much about the result of what I was going to make. Just try and have fun, get back to making music again. Because, yeah. I mean, people don't really care that much. I think I was, I was making it into more of a thing than it was, maybe. 
I think it's probably a big win for everyone that you're making music again, mate. It's um, because what you've released uh, under Sid Varnum recently, Good Times, um, and your other track, uh, I Know. Um, I think. I think. Yeah. I do not know. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't know, clearly. Tell me about I Think. Um, yeah, that track, that was the first track I released under Sid Varnum. And yeah, that was kind of about the uh, entering a new relationship, really. Well, it wasn't a relationship at that time, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a little bit abstract in the lyrics, but it was kind of about that feeling of not being into someone, but not quite knowing how it's going to end up. And that kind of excitement and fear of that, um, yeah. Thankfully, it all worked out, which was which was good. <laughs> Shout out to Vanessa. <laughs> yeah. I reckon if you'd be cool with it, um, could we play a little segment of I think as well? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, that'll be something for for <laughs> listeners to to take home, and a couple of links to your um, music profile on Spotify. That'll be included in the episode description as well, Anth. interested to get into your music a little bit more deeply in terms of your inspirations and how you like to mesh musical genres uh, with the Sid Varnum project to date. Can you take me through some artists that you listen to regularly and source inspiration from and maybe how they um, inform the Sid Varnum stuff that you've done to date? Yeah, I try to listen to like a, a wide range of artists and genres. Um, I think I've, I've kind of always been like that just because, I mean, I don't really know why the reason, but I think I've always just liked different styles and um, probably the, the style or genre I'd gravitate to the most would be like soul or funk. Um, artists like, Al Green, um, Marvin Gaye, those type of um, kind of old Motown artists. I really have always liked that style. Um, and then I've also also really enjoy kind of great storytellers, I think. People like Paul Kelly is a good example, I think. Um, there's an old artist from the 70s or 80s I think, um, whose name's Jonathan Rickman. And he's also a really good storyteller. He kind of has these, I'd describe them as quite funny, but sweet songs. Um, 
about, again, like really kind of specific things in his life that he's been able to kind of draw meaning from um, and kind of make you think about something in a really new way, like get a new perspective on something. So I think on the writing side, those are the artists I really try and emulate um, and get inspiration from. But I think the more the more music you listen to as an artist, when you're making music, ultimately you're going to make a more interesting sound because it's kind of this combination of all different types of music rather than just listening to, you know, rock or techno or something. Um, yeah. In terms of breaking down your, I guess, creative process, I'm sure it differs from song to song and from moment to moment. Um, and that doesn't necessarily follow a formula, but when it comes to you're creating a song, say you get an element of inspiration from somewhere, maybe Jonathan Rickman's song about uh, a corner store, which is the one that he does that I love the most. Are you a fan? Yeah. I love that one about, about milk bars specifically. Oh, sick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Corner stores, he calls them, but um, that's a, a banger. He's got this song called, um, this summer feeling. Or that summer feeling and it's kind of about this person having i guess kind of like a midlife crisis but the way he writes the song it feels not quite it's a bit fresh and the first the opening lyrics are like when there's things to do not because you gotta when you run for love not because you order um when you trust your friends with no reason not to he says nodder. Um, and it's kind of this thing of the the innocence of when you're a child and that summer feeling and having no responsibilities and before things kind of get a bit more real. And I just the way he just the way he kind of portrays that is really beautiful. Um, it's the chorus is like that summer feeling is gonna haunt you one day in your life. Um, anyway, you should listen to <laughs> the song. It's, it's Take really me back, Tommy. <laughs> it's it's he's really good. Um, but um, uh, sorry, what I got sidetracked from the question <laughs> is totally fine. In terms of a, a a creative process and creating a song, do you approach those? Do you approach lyrics and and songwriting differently to the musical elements of your song? Like, do you do them in separate? moments or do you kind of what do you what do you attack first what what comes first when you want to write a song or yeah feel the impetus to write a song it's usually the music but recently i've been experimenting with the other way around it's a bit harder i think writing the lyrics and trying to put them on top of a song um i'm not sure why that is but that's that's just in my experience but um yeah, it kind of depends. I think usually I'll start with the music and I'll start with... I, I kind of like starting with a drum beat, like a just a beat, and then building on that because I think you can get a real vibe of a song for me just from the drums or the beat. If the beat is really nice, like if I'm listening to a song, a new song on Spotify and the beat, is the opening is just that. And I, I'm kind of like, oh, like I, I, this is something I vibe with. It sets the tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sets the tone. So it's like, 
yeah, it's the foundation, um, and then the maybe the chords and the melody, the bass last. Um, but that's not like a hard and fast rule. I think it changes a little bit. Um, but yeah, I usually start with the music and then try and write some lyrics. I, I've kind of got a few ideas for songs lyrically at the moment, which don't have music associated with them. So we'll see how that goes. So you'll have to do the exact opposite of your preference. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good to, to shake it up, mix it up a bit, but it might not work and I'll just revert back. But yeah. Excited to hear how it goes. I reckon we've got some things to look forward to. Would that be fair to say? Uh, no. There's nothing on the horizon whatsoever. No, no not nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Is there an EP maybe on the horizon that we can maybe put in the calendar? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. I how think, are you feeling about it? I think it'll either be that or just releasing singles um, for the next little while and then maybe just doing an album sort of like bypassing the EP option. Love that. Um, yeah, just because I've, I've, I've never really made a full album before and I'd like to try that, try to make something conceptually that I have an idea for that I think would be more appropriate for a full album. So you're thinking because, kind of, as opposed to a collection of singles, you're kind yeah. of thinking a more cohesive album yeah. idea and concept? Yeah, because I think EPs... I think EPs are good, but yeah, I think sometimes it can be just a collection of singles rather than, um, yeah, like a like a full cohesive album. So if you yeah, if you're putting out an LP instead to an album, are you with your lyrics? Is everything? Would you can you foresee it being all sort of a bit of a story, all sort of connected, or is it something you'd keep quite separate? Um, with a single, to single. I mean, with an LP, an album. Oh, if you were to write an album, yeah, would you? Would it be based on a full story, or is it like something for you to? Yeah, well, how would you go about it? Yeah, I think potentially a full story, like a concept album, would be cool. Or just having songs which are kind of similar in tone or vibe, so there's kind of a link between the songs, um, rather than just being like these are just songs i've finished which have no relationship to each other or no consistent theme or whatever so but yeah that's the that's the challenge i mean ideally a full album should have eight to ten songs so that's the challenge of like just finishing that many songs because yeah that's something i have struggled with a bit in the past is just finishing stuff you know i'll get like halfway three quarters of the way through and then get distracted and start a new song and Man, rinse and repeat. It'd be, be a mad accomplishment, dude. It yeah, must, yeah. It'd be a crazy feeling putting that out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I also think the fun, I like the idea of, you know, d choosing what I would do for the cover art and, yeah. you know, I mean, this is probably down the track a fair bit, but like even having it on vinyl would be super cool yeah. um i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna ask you like beyond obviously the music is the primary 
component but like yeah going beyond so yeah, the music cover art i mean obviously the album cover art um even how you put it out like how well thought out is that because obviously yeah with these past tracks you've done past singles you've done there's been some both have really nice art as well so how'd you go about that direction yeah i think it really helps for me just like listening to the song and if i've got like some candidates for what I think might be good for the art. Um, I'll just try and listen to the song while say looking at the image or the piece of artwork or whatever. Um, and I think it, it, I think it, I know when it fits, when the music and the art seems, um, like it's compatible, if that makes sense. So, but, I would like to try and do like engage more with local artists to get them to do something from scratch. Mm. Um, yeah. If I gave them a brief and then said like, this is the vibe that I want, that's probably something I want to try and do more in the future. You kind of surround yourself with pretty cool creatives. And do you, do you find that you can probably tap into an existing ecosystem in your life for that kind of, that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, and I think that's something I want to focus on more just generally is for the, the music making process to be more of a communal thing and have people to bounce ideas off. Um, Cause for me, uh, kind of up until now, it's been a relatively private solitary process. And I, I don't know if that is the best way to go about it because you look at you know a lot of successful artists i think have a community um they are collaborating with people they have friends that are constantly over that they can bounce ideas off and get feedback from so yeah i think not just musicians but you're right like artists and um designers and video makers i think the more creative people you have around you is only gonna and it help you i think it's something we talk about quite a lot on this podcast actually and the collaboration culture particularly in melbourne at the moment feels particularly vibrant not only between musical artists but you know brands collaborating and coming together and instead of maybe looking at each other this is less so the music context but instead of sort of brands and entities kind of looking at each other as competitors and seeking to sort of differentiate and destroy sometimes um really joining forces can be particularly fun musically um definitely any any kind of ideas on that front yet in terms of collaborating and finding finding people to work with or you're more thinking more on the album art sort of cover no definitely i i think i would definitely be keen for that um I, i guess it's just putting yourself out there and reaching out to people and being a bit vulnerable and saying, you know, I think people are mostly pretty receptive to that. Um, and, you know, obviously it has to be, I think, someone that's going to be suitable. You know, I'm probably not going to reach out to like some Slipknot cover band or something. Maybe, maybe I should. I they know. could be massive. Maybe, maybe that's what I need to do. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like you kind of like, size each other up and say yeah i think maybe we could work together but 
Um, but yeah, you just have to, I think you just, it's trial and error. Like even if someone is a similar style musically to you, uh, sometimes you don't work as well with people as other people. It's just like a chemistry thing, I guess. Um, but yeah, I have worked with different people in the past and I was, I was in a band like, Oh, seven or eight years ago called garden party. There was five of us and we made like kind of vampire weekend sort of triple J type indie pop still available online. Can we ever listen? Um, it's floating around somewhere. Yeah. Check it out. Garden yeah, party. It's yeah. It was kind of like, it was, that was, that was the, uh, the first time I'd like really worked with collaborating with other musicians properly and it, it had its challenges it had the ups and downs but i think it was a good learning experience what um what instrument were you on are we the vocalist i was the lead singer uh, yeah. i had like a beat pad hey. a, as well which i was hitting on but would you would that yeah. if you were to do a live show now as sid is that how you'd set up with a beat pad and obviously mike how would you how would yeah. you set up yeah i'd have to i haven't really thought about that side of it yet which i probably should but i've just been be real 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 soon yeah Yeah. i've been focusing on the 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 writing and recording side but i think something like that maybe i'd like to have more live instruments than i did with um sibling was the last um, solo act that i was like performing under and doing gigs but that was more you know me and um one of my friends playing keyboard but i'd like to have more you know live instruments guitars um like more of an experience to see visually might be a bit of a process to get that fellow who played saxophone on uh good times over from nigeria might be a bit of a (laughs) a hard one we'll fly him over yeah yeah your next life you've at least sold two tickets there's (laughs) you know kit and anthony we're pretty keen yeah um, so well, when the time <laughs> when the time does come, we'll be sure to uh, give it a little bit of a, a a plug on the socials where we can, mate. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. We did touch on it a little bit earlier, but it does take time to put together an album. It's because we do have to live our lives. Um, I'm interested in what your life looks like day to day. What you get up to? I know you DJ. Um, and how does music and and writing music and creating music actually fit into your functional operational real life yeah been getting a bit back into djing which has been good did a gig with ant when was that maybe yeah, like maybe two months ago yeah it's good fun lots of fun and invited me to play with him at low key which was which was really fun um playing records and sort of yeah really i really liked how they kind of give you pretty much free reign over what you want to play so you can yeah you can kind of have fun with it and um yeah i I really liked packing records for the gig which something i I haven't really done that much just thinking like oh yeah i'll play this tonight put in the bag that was a really fun experience and yeah just been going record shopping trying to do that a bit more um but yeah it's getting expensive like getting like new 
new albums. Mm. It's like the price is just getting. Got to get hit, hit those five dollar crates. <laughs> yeah, the five dollar crates. This is where it starts. Yeah, like you get. Oh, you've been doing it for a while. But yeah, it gets pricey, and you're like, time to yeah, time to bend the knees. Yeah, get under the table. Yeah, yeah, bend the knees exactly. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. What are you doing but, for a crust, mate? Working with my old man, um, which is kind of yeah, four days a week. My dad's had a motorbike shop for like 40 something years. I'm just doing bits and pieces there, picking and packing, helping out. Um, yeah, it's pretty like stress-free. Um, that's kind of like, you know, my regular income. And then on the side, just trying to make music where I can. Um, trying to do more writing as well on the side, like freelance writing. Um, and yeah, just hanging out. Hanging out in down in South Melbourne with Vanessa, um, enjoying that that move north to south. How's yeah. it been treating you? I know you're a little. It was made with a bit of trepidation. It's been actually really good. Yeah, we're we're really close to the market, South Melbourne market, close to the beach. A few um, comments from the peanut gallery as you went south as well. I've heard from where from the peanut gallery. Bit of uh, some some heckling. Yeah. Yeah, people, people, I feel like we're really sh- shaken up by it. And like, they were like... I actually didn't know what to make of it, to be honest. People were like, it was like, I'd told them something like really bad news. Like, I don't know, there'd been, there'd been some serious, someone was seriously sick in my family or something. They was like, whatever. And, and a few friends have been like, oh, like, yeah, we'll come over. And like, have you got like a spare bedroom? Like, we can stay the night. I was like, it's like a, it's less than a 20 minute Uber. Like, people are like, we're going to have to take a cut lunch. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. And then, oh, I got lost on the way. Yeah. We were like, we had like a little housewarming and I could hear like whispers of conversations. People, like, how'd you get here? Like, that was like the big conversation topic. <laughs> the transport logistics <laughs> of getting from somewhere like a, a Coburg or a Brunswick Ooh. to South Melbourne. I'll tell you what, that's. It's actually easier getting, said than done. Getting kid out of his five, I would say five kilometers, I should probably say 200 meter radius. Yeah. <laughs> 200 meter radius is hard enough. Yeah. It's actually never been done before your housewarming. Yeah. You've actually created some form of history there. You've expanded Kit's, Kit's life. Yeah. We need to get a, a CBCB equivalent hey. down there maybe oh, to entice oh. you. I, I would I would come for that. That's for sure. I'd yeah. definitely come down and visit. <laughs> Dommy, in all seriousness, though, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and getting to know a little bit more about about your music and how you go about creating it under the the moniker Sid Van. And we'll definitely include some links and and such in the bio of this episode. But yeah, thanks so much for coming into the Our Conversation Studio. It's been a, a really good time. Stay up to date with everything our conversations via our social media platforms at our sport double underscore on the gram or via the website www.r-sportswear.com.